Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So I was reading and listening, and especially when I was at Men's No Regret yesterday, really reminded me um, how much God wants us to check the expiration dates. If you think about what God has asked us to do, what he wants to do in our life, and most importantly, about all the negative things that the devil has tried to plant into our life, we need to start going through and cleaning out the fridge of our life. We need to go and look at what's expired, what are, why are we holding on to so much garbage in our lives, when we need to go and clean that out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Exodus chapter 16, verses 18 to 20. And it says, But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, Do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. And manna was the bread that was sent by God to feed his people while they were wandering around in the wilderness, so that they would always have enough. And yet, God didn't want them just hoarding it. It's such a fleshly human desire that, hey, look, there's something there. I'm going to grab as much of it as I can, and I'm going to hold on to this. And unfortunately, we do that even with the hurts and pains that are buried deep within us. Sometimes some of us wear that with a a badge of honor. We like to build up these walls. We like to walk around with these wounds and these hurts. They may be hidden and deep and buried, and yet they're there impacting your life. And there's other ones that we love to just show off and talk about how so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. Those things are expired. They're past their expiration date. God doesn't want us walking around with that hurt and pain, holding us back from being able to obey and follow after him. He has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us. He's given us his word. He's given us his mercy. He's given us his grace. And the beautiful thing is he gives that to us each and every day. Jesus himself even taught in the Lord's Prayer to pray, give us this day our daily bread, because God wants us going to him fresh. He wants us going to him every single day. And that was the type and shadow that he did here in the wilderness with the people of Israel. This was food coming down from heaven. They didn't know how it got there, but they knew it was from God. God was the one that was providing. The day before God did this miracle, they didn't wake up and find this out there. But when God said, okay, I'm going to provide your daily bread. I'm going to give it to you. You have to go out and gather it. The next morning they woke up and there it was. And for every day for the next 40 years, it was there until they reached the promised land and got to the destination that God had for them. Then this provision was no longer needed because they had other provisions. And for that season, that is how they were provided for, but they had to follow the rules. Right away, they're like, I'm going to go and gather a whole bunch of this. And the funny thing was, those that gathered a whole lot had just enough. Those that gathered just a little bit had just enough. Because God pours out his gifts upon each and every one of us. He gives us everything that we have need of. And that's where we get it mixed up in our head a lot of times. We think that we're going to go and just get this abundance to hoard it for ourselves. No, God gives it to us so that we can pour out these blessings in others. He fills us up to our cup with overflowing in the presence of our enemies because he wants us to fill the cups of other people. And most importantly, he wants to wash away those hurts and the pains and those barbs and those arrows and the wounds that the devil and all these other people have put into our life. We have grown up in a sinful and fallen world. This is not God's plan for us to be hurt and wounded and cut and to grow up with all these different scars. But what his plan was, was for us to be healed and be able to walk in that joy and in the mercies of his salvation. He provides us that manna today by the word of God, 
by his comforter, by his Holy Spirit, to where he is going to provide to us when we go before him every single day and be honest with him. God wants us to bring those things to him, to be able to wash them away. He doesn't want us to hold on to those things. Just as here, that manna, when it was left overnight, they woke up the next day and that stuff, man, that spoiled fast. It was full of maggots and worms and gave off quite the stench the next day. And why? Because they weren't listening to God. God's like, come to me every day. Come to me and receive the fresh instructions. And it's the same for us. We let those things that happened the day before fester. We put them on a shelf rather than take them to God. What does he say to us? He says, cast your cares upon me, and I'm going to take care of them. Don't let them expire on the shelf. Don't put them in the back of the pantry or the back of your mind and just let them sit there. Take them to God. It's painful to deal with this stuff. But we all have this hurts and pains. We suffer tremendous loss throughout our life. Whether it's loss of loved ones, whether it's loss of things, loss of health, the devil is coming at us every single day, every different direction. And yet we've been given the victory through Christ Jesus to be able to confront those things and deal with them. And that's why in James chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God doesn't want us to ignore the issues. But what he does want us to do is to submit to God. Because what, well, how do we submit to him? Well, we go to him and ask him, well, how am I going to deal with this situation? God, I'm giving the situation over to you. He doesn't want us to try and hold on to it. He doesn't want us to have us try and deal with this ourselves. No. Right there in verse 8, it says, come close to God. Run to him. And God will come close to you. He's got his arms outstretched too. It's like the old little house on the prairie opening scene where you've got the two people running across the flowery fields with their arms out. It's a love story. God is running towards us. His arms outstretched. He is waiting to scoop us up and to guard us from the devil. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We can't deal with spiritual things the way the world does. We can't deal with the spirit through the flesh. And we start dealing with things through the flesh when we think we can handle them ourselves. When we think we know better. When we think that, you know what, I'm going to hold a grudge about this. Or I'm going to hold this unforgiveness. Or God doesn't understand, look at all this bad stuff he let happen to me. He's the one that's there that wants to help pick you up and wash you off and wash these things off of you. He's just like when I would get hurt at, uh, when I was younger. You know, as soon as my mom got home, all of a sudden it would be waterworks and tears. My brother and I would be running to her, showing her all the scrapes and bruises. And my mom's like, what happened? And my dad's like, I don't know. They were fine all day. And it was just, we knew that if we ran to mom, she was going to be the one that would kiss the owies and you know, put the band-aids on and take care of us. And that's the way God is. He's waiting for us to come running to him. He's going to pick us up. He's going to kiss those wounds. He's going to heal them. And oftentimes we try to hide them. We try to bury those deep down. And that's where it says right here in verse 9, Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. God's not wanting us to be depressed. He's not wanting us to walk around in defeat. But he's being real with us here. We need to have grief and sorrow over our mistakes. But then the beautiful thing is there in verse 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. It's just like that parent picking you up after you fell down and skinned your knee. They scoop you up and they hold on to you and they comfort you. They are going to be, God is there to be able to comfort you. How long are you going to hold on to all this garbage? How long are you going to hold on to these expired hurts and pains? These things that are stinking away in the back of your life and hindering you from fulfilling the calling God has in your life. We need to throw those things in the garbage. Let God wipe that dirt off the wound. Let him put that band-aid on. Let him heal that through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his Holy Spirit. We have to run to him. And importantly, too, God recognizes that there's times we're going to have grief and sorrow in our life. And so much 
you know, for me growing up, my own thoughts was, you know, just tuck it away, just bury it, you know, to suck it up and move on. And that's not always a healthy way to do it either. Those hurts and pains are buried deep down, but they're there and they can hinder you. We've got to be real with ourselves. There's going to be a time for sorrow and grief. There's going to be time where we have to go to God in tears and say, I am struggling with this, Lord. I am hurt. I am in pain. But it's just like letting your mom know, hey, I've got an ouch. You know, come and help me. She was able to help you. You know, you put the band-aid on there, put the, the neosporin on there, get everything all bandaged up and clean, and your wound could heal then. But if you just left it go, it might have gotten infected. It might have gotten worse. And that's the same way God is. Again, reminding us that check that expiration date. That stuff should have expired yesterday. We have that fresh new anointing with God this day to where we can bring those things to him. Ask him if there's any hurts and hidden pains buried deep away. If there's any unconfessed sins or things that are lurking away in the background that just need to be brought to the light, that just need to be brought out and cleaned out because God is not going to condemn you. He is not there to judge you. He sent his son to deliver you from those things. And he delights and he desires to have you humble yourself before him because that is how the devil is going to flee away from you. The devil can't have a foothold within your life if you've already cleaned everything out. That that rot and that corruption is not going to be there anymore. Instead, those things are going to be cleaned up, fresh, and ready to go. My wife is real good at that, where she'll go through and purge the fridge every now and then. It's like, I go in there, get what I need for now, and I don't always remember what's in there. And sometimes there's some hidden stuff hiding back there. You know, and you've got to get in there and clean that stuff out. And it's the same in our life. A lot of times we just keep putting more stuff in. We just keep putting more stuff in, not realizing what we've got hiding away back in there that's hindering stuff and threatening to destroy all the other good things that are in our life. You let a bunch of rotted garbage sit in the fridge, it's eventually going to spoil everything in there. And the fridge is not going to be usable. It's the same in our life. You keep piling and storing away that, that hurt, that pain, and that garbage that's rotting away in there. At some point, you're not going to be any good to yourself or to anybody else. You're going to just be shut down to where, unless you go and clean those things out, God's not going to be able to use you. God wants to use you. You have the power and authority. You are a king on this earth. He is the king of kings, lording and ruling over your life. But he has given you the power and authority to go out there and be a light in this world. And you can't do that if you're walking around with all that hurt and pain and guilt. Instead, wash that away. Resist those things. As it said there, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Your heart is going to be a whole lot lighter when you're not holding on to all that hurt and pain. When you allow the Lord to wash away and to bind up those wounds and to heal them. And in Psalms 51, verses 9 to 12, it says, Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. David wrote this psalm after he slept with his best friend's wife, murdered that man, and then uh, took this woman to be his own wife. I mean, a lot of stuff that was just horrible. And yet, when he was confronted with that sin... He sorrowed over it, but then gave it to God and was allowed to, he received that forgiveness. He allowed his heart to be washed clean. In every area of our life, regardless of whether it's a sin we committed or a sin that was committed against us, because oftentimes the biggest burdens we carry aren't even the sins that we committed. It's the sins that somebody committed against us. And we have to be able to forgive that person and forgive ourselves for holding on to that unforgiveness and release that to God. Allow him to restore the joy of his salvation. 
God is there to save you. He's there to deliver you from grief and sorrow. He's there to deliver you from all these hurts and pains so that you can walk around in joy. And joy does not mean that your life is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have struggles because we live in a sinful and fallen world. There is a struggle every single day. Sometimes even before you can roll out of bed, you've got the devil coming at you with the thoughts, the aches, and the pains, the mental anguish as you wake up and you remember certain things that happened the day before. But we have the ability to take that to God right away, to go and get our daily bread, to gather up that manna and say, I am going to tackle this day with God and I'm going to walk through this day with joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you are walking around in joy, you are not going to get brought down by all of those things. And it is amazing when you watch two people going through something, one person that's like the negative Nelly that is just doom and gloom and complaining about it. I don't even want to be in the same room with that person. You know, it's so, I mean, it's one thing to ask somebody for prayer and get help. I'm not saying, you know, if you've got a struggle, please go tell somebody. But if it's uh, going around the same mountain for the last 20 years and you're coming to me with the same complaint, I'm going to go the other way when I see you coming. I don't want to sit there and listen to that. I've got my own issues to deal with. And if you don't want to actually fix the issue, all you want to do is complain about it, nobody's got the time of day for that. But God has the time of day to listen to you, and he's going to give you a solution. But then it comes on to you to act on that. God's not into procrastination. That's where he says, come to me daily. Renew it. The time of salvation is now. Not to, not like, oh, sometime later, or I'll get to that tomorrow. If you bring it to God, expect he's going to start working on it. He's going to start dealing with that. And it may bring up some unpleasant memories, but ultimately you're going to be able to get through that, break through into the the clear skies beyond, where he's going to raise you up above those problems and allow those problems to be washed away and fixed so that you can release those people that have hurt you, so you can release yourself from all the judgment you have heaped upon yourself for the past regrets. God doesn't remember your sins. He doesn't remember your past, and he doesn't need you remembering that either. He needs you focused on what he wants you to do right now. And that is to bring glory unto his kingdom and to walk in the victory. Because there is a devil that is out there that wants to destroy you and your entire family. And if you're so focused on all of your own problems, you're not going to be watching what he's up to. You're not going to be able to go and fight against him because you're going to so be beaten down and so weak that you're not going to be raising that sword of the spirit. God wants you wielding that sword of the spirit, pulling up that shield to be able to protect your family and your loved ones against the fiery darts of the wicked wind. God doesn't want you knocked down and wounded. He doesn't need you bleeding in the mud and so hurt that you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. No, he wants you to rise up and be that light and that glory to all those around you. Allow him to heal you. Get rid of those things that are expired in your life. His mercy is new each day. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 to 26, it says, I will never forget this awful time as I, regre- as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. And when I remember this, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And in the King James it says they are new every morning. And that's what I've been talking about today. And that's the the verse that God reminded me of was just his mercy is new each day. You can see right there the person, the author writing Lamentation says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. We deal with loss every single day. Everything in this earth has to pass away. As I get older and approach middle life, there's a lot of loved ones I've lost by this time. There's friends that I went to school with that have passed away now. You know, there's pets, there's family, there's friends. This world, we're not going to get out of it alive. But we have that salvation, that hope in God, knowing that those people that we have brought to Christ, that those people that have that same knowledge 
are going to be reunited with him. We will see them again in heaven to where there will be no tear. There will be no sorrow. So God's not asking us just to forget our loved ones, forget the things that we have lost. But he doesn't want those weighing us down. He doesn't want those things festering and destroying us. Because we have a greater hope, as it says right there. I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of God never ends. His love is there. He will get you through it. It doesn't mean that we don't feel that pain. It doesn't mean we don't feel that hurt. But we will rise above it. We have that victory. Those things will not stop us dead in our tracks. They may hurt us. They may slow us down for a little bit, but we're going to press on and we're going to rise above all of these things because his faithfulness is there. And every morning we have new mercy. doesn't matter about yesterday. Forget about yesterday, for good or for bad. Because we can't live and rest on the laurels of yesterday. We can't live on the defeats of yesterday. All we have to do is look forward to the victories of today. When we wake up each day, it's a new day. It's the beginning of the rest of our eternal life. And we just need to focus on what is it that God wants us to do that day? What is it that we're going to do that day? Because God doesn't want us holding on to yesterday's manna. He wants us pulling out and going and gathering that daily bread, going and seeking after him and asking him, what is it that I I need to do today, Lord? What is it that you have for me today? What do we need to deal with today? And he is going to help you deal with those things. He'll bring those things to remembrance so you can heal them. He's not going to overwhelm you. He's not going to burden you down. But he will, if you are faithful to ask him, to bring up those things. Hey, you remember this, or you remember that hurt or that pain, or there's still that unforgiveness for that person. You need to release them to me. And he'll slowly cleanse you and restore your heart because he wants those scars gone. He wants those wounds removed. And it continues in verse 24 and says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. We don't need to hope in our own strength. We don't need to hope in our own mental health. We don't need to rely upon ourselves or our friends or our family. They are all there and gifts of God, but ultimately we need to be focused on him. Our hope is in God alone. It's not in our possessions. It's not in all these different things we have. It's not in drugs. It's not in alcohol to try and numb the pain. No, we need to give all these things over to God because our hope is in him. And when we hope in God, we will never be disappointed. If I place my hope in my wife, if I place my hope in my friends, at some point they're going to fail me. They're not going to be able to fulfill all my desires and needs. But God is. God always gives us everything that we have need of. In verse 25 it continues, The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. It doesn't matter if it's the government, if it's your work. At some point they are going to fail you. They are not going to be able to come through for you 100% of the time. But when you depend on God, he never lies to you, he never fails you, he never abandons you, he never goes anywhere. He is standing right beside you, willing to help you out. And that's where it says, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Wait quietly, what does that mean? It means we're listening. It means we are talking to him and making our requests known to him, but then we wait on a response from him. We act upon what he tells us to do. We listen to the Holy Spirit and press forward with what God wants us to do, remembering that that mercy is new every morning. Check the expiration date on the things you have in your life. Was that something for yesterday? Was that something from your past? Or is it for today? Is that what you're supposed to be doing? Is those instructions that you got from God still valid? Or are you camped out on the hillside when God really wants you to go somewhere else? As uh, the one speaker yesterday brought up, uh, one of the other verses that always stands out in my head is when Jesus was ascending up into heaven. He just no sooner got brought up into heaven and covered by the clouds and two angels show up and say, why are you standing there waiting, you know, gazing up into heaven? Didn't he tell you to go to Jerusalem? They had a mission to do. God had told them, wait for me in Jerusalem. I'm coming back. I'm sending you to the Holy Spirit. 
They didn't have time to be standing around there waiting for Jesus to come back. He wasn't going to come right back for them. How many Christians stand around spending their life gazing up at heaven, waiting to go to be heaven, and yet they're no earthly good here for anybody else because they're dealing with all those hurts and pains or just not even interested in going out there and sharing the gospel, sharing the news, or praying for others? How much power is in those healing hands ears? How much mercy is in those comforting words that you are supposed to be saying to people? And yet here you are spending too much time staring up into heaven and thinking about, well, I can't wait till I'm out of here. Well, that's true. I can't wait till I get to go home and be with Jesus. But i got a lot of stuff to get done before that happens. So we need to make sure that we are looking at the expiration date on everything that God has asked us to do. Was that an instruction that we are supposed to continue doing? Or is that something that we should stop because God has given us something new today today? Are we supposed to be heading to Jerusalem rather than staring up at the heavens? In James chapter 4, verses 13 and 17, it says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Or in the King James Version, it says, For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. In verse 16, Otherwise you are boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, and then not to do it. Don't spend all your time wishing your life away, thinking about tomorrow. What are you supposed to be doing today again? It's like that manna. You have to go out there and gather your daily bread. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. That's an old saying, and yet here it says it right there. It's sin to know what you ought to do, and then not do it. How many times in our spiritual walk with God we say, well, I'll get that tomorrow, God. Well, I just don't have time for that today. If we start our day with God, if we go and take it to God first, he's going to give us the ability to have the wisdom and the understanding to accomplish those tasks much easier. He's going to give us the wisdom and understanding to be able to overcome that unforgiveness of those things that are crippling you, those insecurities, those anxieties, those fears, all of those baggages that we have from our past. Every day the devil's trying to heap more burdens on top of our shoulders. God wants to be able to take those burdens off of us. He says, give me your load. I'll carry it for you. My yoke is light. Yeah, because he's going to be carrying everything for you. And yet how often is it that we just trudge along with the monotony of dealing with our daily struggles or dealing with all the stuff we've been carrying since childhood when God would just take that off of us if you'd allow him to? God doesn't want us to sit there and plan out how we're going to take care of tomorrow. He wants to take care of you tomorrow. He's going to guide us. He's going to give us that light into our footsteps. He's going to give us that fresh word. He's going to give us that anointing to deal with whatever it is that tomorrow has. It says in another verse that, you know, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries of its own. And that's so true. There's so many days in my life I've lost sleep where you wake up worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow and then your day's even worse and it starts off shot because you didn't get enough rest the night before. When in reality, every single time I've, I've lost sleep, the next day God got me through it. I gave it over to him and he was able to help me get through whatever it was, whether it was at work, whether it was in my personal life, something I was worrying and fretting over. Oh, look, God was there. He's always been there. Oh, just like last time, he got me through it. He's going to get you through it every single time. So we don't need to be losing sleep over that. Give it over to God. Just like some of those stickers and memes say where he's going to be up all night anyway, so may as well give your problems to him. And in Psalms 147, verse 3, this verse here has been quoted so many times, but it's one that we just need to remind ourselves of so much. When you're looking at all these expired things in your life, all these hurts and pains that have been placed there, he heals the brokenhearted 
bandages their wounds. Like that analogy I gave before with my parents when they would help me when skinned a knee or you know scraped an elbow. God is there to heal you. He wants those wounds healed. Don't think for a moment that God is the one putting these hurts and pains upon you. The devil loves to accuse all these hurts and pains and these bad things that are happening to you on God. He's like, look what God did to you. Look what God took away from you. Oh boy, man, God is so bad, you should just run away from him. There are so many hurt and wounded people that are outside the walls of the church that refuse to fellowship with Christ, that refuse to fellowship with other believers because of some hurt and pain that they've experienced. And yet, for one moment, don't think that was God that was causing that to you. There's a lot of hurt and fallen people out there that are walking around with their own hurt and guilt, and they wind up hurting other people or people that are listening to the, the voices from the devil to where they will say things that come out of their mouth that certainly are not from the mouth of God. We need to recognize those things and recognize the voice and the hand of God. We need to understand in this world what God is doing and what the devil is doing and what sinful people are doing. Don't confuse them because the devil wants to drive you away from God. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They immediately ran and hid from God, the very person that could help them. They were more than willing to talk to the devil just a little bit ago, and then suddenly they don't want to talk to God anymore. That's the way the devil operates. He wants you running and hiding somewhere so that when when God comes to walk with you and it's like, oh, where'd Nate go? I thought we were going to spend some time today. He wants you so full of guilt and hurt and pain that you're either pointing the finger at God or you're pointing the finger at yourself and going, well, I'm not worthy to talk to God today. That's the very moment we need to be running to God. The moment when you don't feel worthy is the best time to be running to him because he's going to pick you up and wash you off and cleanse you of all those things. Because otherwise, if you go hang out outside of of the walk with God, and you go hang out with the devil, he is no friend of yours. He is going to crush you and destroy you and tear down your spirit. Whereas God is looking to restore you and to give you that joy of salvation, to give you that hope and lift you up above your problems. Don't for a moment think that the devil and the world are your friends. You may have temporary joy. You may have this temporary satisfaction in sin. But sin is only, um, only joyful for a moment. Speaking from honesty, I mean, there was so much hurts and pains that I had allowed the devil to layer into my heart over time that I turned to alcohol to try and um, be able to control that. And I will tell you that that was not a friend to me. The devil and all those things, I thought I had found pleasure in that where I could find a relief from all that. It led to even more hurts and pains. It led to just this path of that was destroying me and bringing, heaping on even more anxiety, heaping on even more, um, more depression. So trying to run away from one problem, I ran into like a hundred other problems. But when I turned around and became born again and was delivered of all those things, that's when I found true joy. That's when that depression melted away. That's when all those hurts and pains started being washed away and allowed God to heal those in my life. And every single day we have to go to God and ask, well, what hurt and pain is it that I need to be healed of? What is holding me back from running after you? What is holding me back from helping others? There's a lot of times we can't talk to other people. We put these walls up because of all those hurts and pains. And we're no good to anybody then. We have to let God tear those walls down so that we can be open and honest with each other. That we can go and tell people the truth in love. You can't do that if you're hiding away from the world, if you're hiding away from your hurts and pains, thinking, oh, well, this is what happened to me in the past. These people are all just going to do that to me again. I can't trust them. I can't go talk to them. I can't rely on them. Well, you're not relying on those people. You're relying on your Heavenly Father who's going to look out for you, who's given you the Holy Spirit, who's going to give you the word and season to be able to speak to them, and he's going to bring people into your life that are going to be a blessing to you because he puts the solitary in families. He puts you in a spiritual home. 
And then we have to have mercy for each other because, yes, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to say or do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and we don't know all of your pasts. I may say something to you that you take totally out of context because of what happened to you in the past, and we have to assume positive intent. We have to understand that we're all trying to help each other. We're all trying to make it through this life. And I'm not trying to go and hurt somebody. If I say the wrong thing, let me know. And then I can repent of that. And we can move beyond that. Take your cares to God. Allow him to remove those expired things out of your life, those things that are rotting away and hiding in your past. Let them be washed away. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 32, it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Again, get rid of those expired things. What happened yesterday or what happened today? Are you really going to start holding on to that? You carry that into the next day? Now you're ruining that day too. we got to learn to let those things go. We have to be able to move beyond those and walk in the mercy that is new for that day. That's why he gives us that. doesn't mean you're not going to have periods of anger in your life or hurt or pain. There's going to be times where somebody says something to you and, oh, do you get angry? Be able to guard your mouth and guard your tongue. And most importantly, guard your heart. Speak forth those scriptures. Speak forth those things to God. Give them over to him. There's been plenty of times I've had to go to God and say, God, I know I'm not supposed to be feeling this, but you're going to have to help me get over that. That really hurt me what they did. Or I'm really disappointed with the situation and how things worked out. Be honest with him. He's not some thee and thou and thou art God where he's just hiding up there with the big gray beard and doesn't want to listen to your problems. No. He desires that close relationship with you. He calls you a son and daughter. He calls you his bride. And, you know, the relationship I have with my wife is closer than anybody else to where we are there for each other. And that's the same relationship God has for us. He's not somebody sitting up on some throne in the clouds where he doesn't want anything to do with you. He is there. Don't give that foothold to the devil. The devil is always there whispering in your ear going, hey, I'm here for you. Oh, look at all these things. God doesn't want to take time for you. God's not there for you. God is, but the devil is just trying to trick you and destroy you. In verse 28, it continues, If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. God's trying to avoid having you hurt other people. You start throwing around these coarse jokes, you start using foul and abusive language, you're going to wind up wounding somebody. You're going to hurt them and plant those seeds from the devil in their life. That's why God wants us to be speaking words that are edifying and lifting each other up. He wants us speaking his words because that is how he can restore that joy of salvation to all those around us. we got to guard this tongue. We think it's no big deal. Everybody in the world's talking like that. But there's a reason God gives us that. He's not trying to rob us of freedom of speech. He's not trying to take things away from us, but he's trying to guard us. All those rules he gives us are because he wants us to live a life and a life more abundantly. He wants us to be able to bring life and not death because there is power of life and death in our tongue. The words we speak are planting either good or evil. And we have to recognize that. Again, God's not trying to like, oh, well, you know, you're just better than everybody else or you know, I'm trying to rob you of the ability to have a good time or joke around with your friends. No, he understands the fact that when we use that fallen abusive language, We are speaking the words of the devil, that we are now tearing people down. We are now planting hurts that may go on and fester in that person's life for years. That one word you spoke to somebody out of anger or spoke what you thought was joking may have just broken that person's spirit for years to come and will have a repercussion upon their life that we will never know. Or that word you spoke to that child in harshness or anger in a heated moment 
suddenly will go on and be living in their mind and their heart for years. We have to guard our tongue and guard what we speak. And when somebody has spoken those words to us, we need to make sure we don't receive them, cast them down to the ground. And even if we did receive them, say that was a hurt or a barb that has been living in your heart for a long time, take that to God. Be like, you know what so-and-so said about me when I was growing up? That really hurt me. Be honest with him. Give that to him. Let those expired things be tossed out of your life. Let that rotten garbage not sit there any longer. Pull it out. Take it to the dump. Let him wash it clean. And he is going to restore you so you're no longer hung up on those words that were spoken to you. In verse 30 it says, Do not bring sword of God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Right there's the garbage he wants you taken out. And look at that list. Is that really something you want to hold on to? And yet by our actions, a lot of us say that we do. By the things that we sit there and dwell on, by the things that we have stored up in our heart and decided to treasure. Because if you put that up in an exalted place in your life, you are winding up treasuring that. I would rather have what it says in verse 32, which says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. What are you storing in the pantry of your life? What are you putting up on the shelves and storing away? Are you grabbing all that garbage out of the, the dump and tossing that into your pantry so it can fester and, and sit there with the maggots and the worms like that expired manna? Or are you going and grabbing the mercies of God each day so you know have the merciful words to be able to be tenderhearted and to be kind and forgiving to those that have wronged you? How much better would it be to say, you know what, I forgive you? Or no, I don't receive that from you instead of taking that harsh anger and words and either throwing it back in their face or storing that up in your own heart and destroying your own life for days, weeks, sometimes years at a time to where you allow that to even affect your physical health. Because if you hold on to all of those things, that poison will literally poison your body. You can tear down your own health and destroy yourself physically by holding on to all those things. It is so much better to unleash that burden, to give that over to God and walk in the tender-hearted mercy of forgiveness and love with him to where all that expired stuff is gone from your life. And then you're not dishing it out. Because if all you've got is garbage in your pantry, what do you think is going to happen when guests come over and you go to serve them? Those wounded people then turn around and wound others. I've seen it time and time again where even somebody's own parents have no kind words to say to them because of the way they were brought up. And it becomes this generational to where it's so sad to watch that, just these harsh words coming out, just tearing down their own kids. And it's like, can't you say one kind thing about them? And it's just the hurt you see that it causes them for years, all because they never bothered to clean out their own garbage. But I have seen it the other way around, too, where people clean that out. They change their ways, and they left their past behind to where now they can encourage their children, where they can encourage those around them, to where they now have a new life, to where they aren't allowing their past to define them. They have moved beyond that, and that is the beauty of what Christ gives us, the ability to move beyond our past, to move into the future, to move into a new day full of mercy. And regardless of who we are, were in the past or what happened to us in the past, we are that new creation in Christ where we don't need to hold on to all those things. And that's where it comes up in James chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And oftentimes when I've read that verse, I always looked at it and thought about physical sickness. Yeah, you've got you know cancer, you've got that. Call them the elders, have them sick. 
But what about the mental illness? What about the hurts and the pains and the depression? We need to be able to call upon each other for that as well. Receive those words of encouragement from those around you. Because there in verse 15 it says, Such a prayer often in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When we go to God and ask for forgiveness and allow him to wash those things away from us, we walk in his righteousness. And as a righteous person, our prayers will avail much. When we confess our sins to God, when we confess our weaknesses to him, he will take those burdens off of us. He will allow us to be able to rise above all of that sickness. How much worse do you feel when you're in the depths of depression or anxiety and all that stuff, that pity your stomach is just turning over, your stomach is not settled. That's almost worse sometimes than having a cold or a flu when you're feeling those, those things where your mind is just being crushed, where your heart is just in agony and pain. Those very things God wants to heal as well. When he says, if you're sick, call upon the name of the Lord. Confess those things to him. Receive that righteousness from him. And that earnest prayer is going to also produce that power and wonderful results. When you feel at the depths of depression, when you feel at the depths and the darkness, there is power in calling upon God. There is power in receiving prayer from others. Encourage each other, lift each other up, and you will rise above that darkness. You will be able to help others rise above that darkness. Lay your hands on them. Encourage them. It's been amazing in my life when you are dealing with that sorrow and sadness and just a hand on your shoulder and the words, let me pray for you, how much that has encouraged and lifted me up. <clears throat> in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 9, it says, For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, and they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. God is there for you. He will allow you to return back to the promised land. What did he call the promised land? It was the land of rest. We can rest in God, where we don't need to be wandering around, scraping by in the wilderness. God wants you to bring, bring you to the land flowing with milk and honey, flowing with his word, flowing with his mercies, flowing with his presence. He wants you to stand before him. He is not going to turn you away. We are the one that turn ourselves back. We are the ones that run from him. Don't allow the things that the devil has done to you through the harsh words and actions of others to turn you away from the Lord. Run back to God. Receive him and allow him to just shine his face upon you, to allow him to bring you into that land of rest, to cover you with his wings, to hold you close and guard you from the, the wily tricks of the devil. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 10, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet as the, uh, to the nations. O oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Don't we always have the perfect excuse to God? And you see that time and again, even the heroes of faith listed in, in Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of them threw some excuses back at God when they were trying to get out of doing what God wanted them to do. They always had some other excuse of why they couldn't do it. There are no surprises in your life. God knew everything that was going to happen to you before you even came out of your mother's womb. He knew you before you entered this world. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing that he hasn't seen. There's nothing that is going to make him love you any less. He always loves you. He is there for you. Don't tell him, I'm too much of a young Christian or I can't deal with this. Jeremiah tried telling God, well, I can't speak for him too young. In verse 7, it says, The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Who is the one speaking? 
It wasn't going to be Jeremiah. Whose words was it? It was God's words. When we're dealing with these situations, when we're dealing with these things where we need power and authority, we deal with it with God's word, with the mercy he gave us that day. When he gives us that manna, we are going to be dealing with it, not with Nate's words, not with Paulina's words. We're going to be dealing with the words of God. And it says that his words never return to him empty or void. They always accomplish what they are set out to do. It's not our power and authority. It's his. Release it. Don't sit there and undermine yourself and say, oh, I'm too weak. I'm not powerful enough. Or I can't speak on behalf of you, God. God's the one speaking through you. He said, open your mouth. I will fill it. He is going to give you those words. And if it's God's words, who can stop them? Who can stand against it? When he's telling you to speak to that depression, when he's telling you to speak to that sadness, when he's telling you to speak to that unforgiveness, it's his words that are going to come against that. It's his authority. And those things have to go. They have to flee. They cannot stand before the mighty word of God. Why? Because God's words are all powerful. It was by the word of God that the very foundations of the universe were laid. The scientists spend their entire life looking for the Big Bang. Well, the Big Bang was God speaking, let it be. And it was. And that's the same power that's at work in your very old mouth. When you release those words of life, there's the big bang. Whatever it is that you need to destroy, whatever it is that you need to, to cast aside, his words are going to do it. And that is where he protects us. And in verse 8 it continues, And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be, will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Again, what's he saying? I have spoken. It's his words. Don't be afraid of the people. Don't be afraid of the circumstances. Don't be afraid of your past. There's sometimes some unpleasant that is going to get dug up in our life when we go before God and be honest with him. Don't be afraid of that because he is there holding your hand because he wants to go help you clean that out. He wants you to help clean out your pantry. He wants to clean out those things that you've stored up in your heart and your mind because he needs more room. He needs room for him to come in there and dwell. He wants to sweep that house clean and get those things out of there because he wants more room for his Holy Spirit because the more that Holy Spirit that floods and fills us, the more power, the more anointing we have to be able to deal with the things of the devil. He wants us crushing the serpent's head. He wants us being that light shining forth and bringing glory to his name. He doesn't have time for you to be dealing with yesterday's past. He needs you dealing with today's problems because today is another day of victory. To walk from victory to victory. To have his mouth coming out of your, his words coming out of your mouth. And here in verse 10 is just amazing. It says, Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. There are strongholds in your life and the lives of those around you. And God needs you out there tearing those things down, as he said right there. Today he has appointed you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. He has appointed you to stand up against the kingdom of hell. Something that the world stands and cowers in front of, in front of the demons, the devils, and all those things. And yet we can laugh in the face of adversity because we have God behind us. He is standing over us with his mighty army. For greater is he that is with us than all that is in this world. Your problems are insignificant in comparison to the power that God brings to the table to be able to deal with those things. God wants us tearing those things down and overthrowing them. Get that garbage out of your life. Those things that are expired and beyond their expiration date, those things that are festering and rotting in your life, tear them down. Throw them out. Get rid of them because you have the kingdom of God at your back. You can destroy the kingdom of the devil. In fact, you already have because it is underneath your feet. And God promises wherever your feet shall tread, you have that victory. You have risen above that. And in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. God has given you that strength right there. And I'm going to close with that. Those verses... We have the joy of the Lord. 
all that garbage the devil has tried to plant into your life, throw it out, get rid of it. Allow the Lord to heal you and understand that the sovereign Lord is your strength. And if he is your strength, you will never be weak. You will never be defeated. And you can rise up and tread upon the heights. If you ever watched a deer or a mountain goat or any of the animals, they can go right up the highest height and go right on up those hills. It's amazing to watch them go. Where you might have trouble, they just go running right up. And that's what God wants us to do is just to scale those mountains and to stand on top of those problems and shout to the Lord a joyful noise, knowing that I have overcome through Jesus Christ.